I remember one like one time when I was pregnant, that was our first like physical altercation was I was like, you know, pregnancy gives you really strange hormones. And I was just, I grabbed trash bags and just started picking up his stuff. And I'm like, he's going to get out. He's going to leave. I'm done. I'm done paying the bills. I was going in debt. And then he ended up like chasing me around the house and like, you know, pinning me. And that was our first really like scary physical thing. But you, anyone that's been abused will tell you, they think, oh, well, it won't happen again. That was just a, a one-off thing. It's when it happens again that you start to go, wait a minute. Welcome to Reality Bites, a podcast about sex, love, relationships, and dating in the digital age. Every episode, we sit down with comedians, sexperts, and other notable people to share the most fascinating stories about love and sexuality. And now we're coming at you twice a week on Mondays and Wednesdays. So tune in. Welcome to Reality Bites, a podcast about sex, love, relationships, and dating in the digital age. I'm Courtney Kosak. I'm Sophia Alexandra. And where's Dave Rankin? <laughs> well, uh, our male correspondent, Dave, is um, actually out in the field conducting field research. <laughs> He's going to report back uh, at a later episode. Just but- going on bad dates. Hey, we didn't say what kind of dates they were. You need to tune back in to see what, <laughs> what's what been going on. But um, it's just the two of us today. Sophie and I were lucky enough to interview Brittany Louise Taylor. Uh, she's a YouTube star. She is the author of a brand new book, A Sucky Love Story. You guys, this shit gets cray. Dude, yeah. When someone was like, first, it's a catfishing story. No. It's like a catfish inside a catfish inside a catfish. It is a Russian doll of deceit and lies. And it was delicious. And I read it in one sitting. It's a murder mystery minus the murder. Yeah. Except for the murders of your soul and your trust. Yeah. You know, honestly, I, she is like so light and vivacious and it is awesome to see someone who's been through something that harrowing. She radiates joy and light and is very bubbly. She's in love with her son in like the sweetest way possible. It's awesome that she's like still such a positive force. And I know she's going to eventually attract a much better partner. The next time around. I'm pretty sure she's not going to stay single for long. She her, She's a very uh, infectiously like kind and uh, joyful person, and it makes you just want to be around her. So I'm pretty sure someone's so, going to wipe that up. Fellas. Uh, she did, though, purge this story out onto the page. She um, wrote this book in a month. That is blows my mind. As writers, yeah, that's can we not say that is fucking insane? That's crazy. Good for her. Yeah. Get the book, but we definitely tease the book as hard as we can <laughs> in the pod. The story, you guys, is a roller coaster. It's a roller coaster and it also like brought me and Courtney back to like other relationships we've had that mm-hmm. were not healthy. And we were talking about this and we were like, let's talk about this on the pod. The situations where we were in relationships with um men that were in that gray area of emotional mm, abuse. Yeah. Emotional, verbal abuse um, situations where it was, it felt bad and you knew you wanted to leave, but you couldn't quite put the words mm-hmm. to it. Um, and it was, you know, this is obviously at least 10 years ago that we're talking and 
it was also harder to spot things like that. We didn't have as much terminology or as much awareness. It's that. And it's also, we were less experienced, we which were younger, uh, yeah. I think relates directly to Brittany's story. Cause it's like, this is the first time she fell in love. My first boyfriend was awful to me. And like, abusive in numerous ways really when i look back on it and tell me what i also knew you know what i mean like it was insidious the way that it all plays out but i britney talks about having a gut instinct about it and i also had a gut instinct about it i was like oh a normal dude wouldn't call and threaten my parents in the middle of the night when they were trying to keep him from talking to me oh my god or like um, a normal guy wouldn't quote unquote, we, he played, I don't even know if it was like a, he would tackle me. He fucking broke my nose. <laughs> like, what? but it was like, some of it was under the guise of like playfulness, playfulness, which is so fucking weird. Right. I would never, if Wade was like, I'm just gonna like You're not crush your face. Tumble. <laughs> You're yeah. not a rough and tumble tomboy kind of chick. You're not like, all right, I just finished playing rugby and now I want to do the same like, with you. Like, I'll go for a hike with you, but no, I don't want to wrestle. I mean. Dude, that's crazy. Yeah, it made me think of um, a boyfriend that I had that I was so in love with when I was in college. And he would like say fucked up stuff that like picked away at me. Yes, But I that's didn't the even worst. really like. It just took me too long to process what was happening. And I was so high on like how good our sex was. It was like unbelievable. And I was literally like physically addicted to him. Mm -hmm. And it was so hard for me to process anything like the way it was supposed to be processed. I remember him saying stuff like he would leave for work and leave me at his house and he would kiss me on the forehead and he would go, be good. Ah, isn't that gross? be good. I was like, what am I, some puppy? Am I going to like shit on your rug while you're gone? It was just like, okay, that's like a weird little way to put it, but it would be, you know, by itself, that's was not enough. Was he jealous right? in other ways? Yes. Yeah. That's the thing. It was just the tip of the iceberg. It was this whole thing of, uh, you know, um, anytime I would like go hang out with my friends and I had a lot of guy friends, he'd be like, are you guys going to smoke pot there? Cause you know that pot lowers inhibitions and you know how you get First of all, pot does not lower inhibitions. That's alcohol. <laughs> right. And he's like low-key slut-shaming you, slut you yeah, too. totally slut-shaming me. And I would, you know, uh, I was like a old punk rocker. I would wear a lot of like fishnets that were ripped and like mm -hmm. short um, plaid skirts. And he would be like, when you sit down, just make sure you don't have your knees apart. Because you're just going to give everybody a free show. I hate when guys like body warn you under the guise of like other shitty, like don't do this because other guys are shitty when it's like, no, really, you're illustrating what a shitbag you are. <laughs> yeah. But also it's like that, like weirdly, like not trusting you combined with threatened by other men is like a toxic cocktail. Oh, dude. And it wasn't like I'd ever cheated on anybody I'd been with or even like gave him any indication or flirted with anybody. I was so in love with him. And uh, it was so crazy. And it took me a really long time to understand, to like be away from him for long enough to be like, wait a minute, that's not right. And during this time I was in college and I had like loans out and I had jobs and I was buying this motherfucker groceries. He yes, was like I three paid years for older too. than me. I fucking bought like bottom haircuts. I was like, what am I doing? 
I wrote this guy a 20 page paper because like he was failing out of school. This guy wasn't even in school. He was like an engineer. He worked for like Cox Cable or whatever. Cable engineer. I don't know what that's called. (laughs) Like I was buying this motherfucker haircuts and groceries. I was like, what is happening? I am a student who has student loans and and works like two jobs. One at Ticketmaster, one at a bookstore. It was insane. I remember my mom and I don't know if other peers i don't remember peers saying anything as outright as like my mom but she was like you're so you're an independent girl like why just the little and i'm sure i hid a bunch of stuff from her you know but just the stuff that she saw she was like this seems so weird so i think and i think you'd be surprised to think of sophie and i the yeah. people that you know today as Courtney and Sophia, like being in these really toxic, like abuse, legit abusive relationships. And that's, I think that's how widespread it is. Yeah. And also I feel like we get sold this myth that like, if a woman is loud, if she has opinions, if she can take care of herself, if she has jobs, if she's independent, then that means she's somehow more immune to abuse or to being put in a situation where she's threatened. And that is not the case. It's just, we believe that also. So when it's happening to us, it's confusing. And I also was like, wait, what? How have I been tolerating all of this? That doesn't sound like me at all. But that's what happens slowly and slowly. Like we would have fights that would last hours that would literally be him just like torturing me for for not appreciating him enough. And he would be so furious when I interrupted him when he spoke it was like you know you're not i don't know i've never had a dad but i was like it sounds like you're like a weird (laughs) abusive dad and i don't like it but i was like oh our sex is amazing i'm gonna keep staying oh yeah it was just when you're hanging on to little threads like not like good sex isn't important but it shouldn't be like the only good thing that you have going for you really so yeah so it took me two and a half years at least to extricate myself from this thing. And then honestly, there was a call back later, a few years later, which was a brutal end to this whole thing, whatever. But um, it ended, our romantic relationship ended with him throwing Febreze on me because I told him, I was finally like, this guy, like, this is bullshit. I was like, don't smoke in my uh, the apartment I was paying for that he was living in and not contributing. Why are these guys never paying and for shit? Damn. I know he was smoking in it, which I was like, I don't smoke. No one in this house smokes. Like, why are you doing that? And then he threw like in a kind of, in a, an abusive way, he doused me with an entire bottle of Febreze on my way out to go to class. Shit. And it was like, there was like a little bit of a physical, situation he wouldn't leave the house so i had to go to the police and get a civil restraining order like an ex parte it was so fucked up and weird so i'm so sorry yeah you like it's hard to um to think of myself going it seems like so distant to me now but it is shocking that i look back and i'm like oh that's such a weird part of my past because it doesn't line up with my personality, I think, or like what, what I would our accept idea of yeah. ourselves is. 
So, uh, young ladies, do not stand for that shit. If you have a feeling in your gut, like, this is bad, this is wrong. Even if you can't put your finger on what Mm -hmm. it is, but you know that the way you're being treated is not right, stick with that feeling. My story has, like, a less dramatic end than yours, for sure, but it's humiliating to me to remember it, because I, like, knew I needed to break up with them, because it just was not right, Um, and I broke up with him and then I immediately regretted it and we were apart for two weeks and it just like crushed me and I thought about it all the time and my body was addicted to his and it was like the longest I'd gone without like having sex uh, with him and I was just like going out of my mind and I finally like called him and I was like come like come over I just want to talk to you so because he lived in Virginia and I was in school in DC so he like came over and I literally like had a conversation with him and he didn't want to get back together. I begged him. I got on my knees and I begged him. I Do you know how you humiliating it is to say that out loud? Oh, I just want to die. Like even now I'm like, I just want to die when I imagine that girl. I'm like, what? And thank God that his ego was so hurt from me breaking up with him that he wouldn't take me back. But also what a petty little bitch. <laughs> <laughs> But that's the best gift he ever gave me. Oh, is for sure. Not taking me back because I would have probably been off and on in that situation for a long ass time because I was just too young and inexperienced to know how to get out. And love is a drug in a way. So, like when you're talking about your body feeling physically addicted, that in some ways that is real. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So. It just makes it even more dangerous. So we're going to get into it with Brittany. She's going to tease. You got to get the book, but she's going to tease it hard here. And we have a really interesting conversation. And seriously, like, let this serve as a little bit of a warning to you. Like, if you, if it feels wrong, if you're seeing red flags or... If everybody who's close to you, who knows you really well, hates the person. Um, If there's behavior that you're finding yourself rationalizing, oh, it was a bad day or week or month or like, well, they were under really extenuating circumstances. If you finding yourself doing that, yeah. If you're paying for too much shit. Stop paying for too much shit. Okay, (laughs) God damn it. What is wrong with us, Courtney? (laughs) Yeah, no, we're perfect angels. Nothing's wrong with us. But yeah, heed, heed our warnings, ladies. For sure. And enjoy the interview. Enjoy the app. You guys, we are here with Brittany Louise Taylor, YouTube star and now author. Didn't plan on it, but yes. <laughs> Congratulations. <laughs> Thank you. So the new book is called A Sucky Love Story, Overcoming Unhappily Ever After. And it's all true. Yep. I couldn't believe it. It was you a page turner. You can't make that stuff up. I mean, you, you could. You could. And then I'd be watching that TV show. I'd be like, that is unrealistic. <laughs> but maybe that that's good that mine is real. Because then some things, it would, it would suck you in more, I think, if you were watching a show that's based on real. Because, like, you know, there's more, there's juicier details. Oh, for sure. Yeah. It, it was, yeah. And your descriptions of how good looking Because he, he was. was. It was so cute. Okay. We'll get into that. <laughs> yes. Let's just give our so, audience a little taste. Yeah. So obviously you guys listening need to get the book because it is a wild ride and you need to go on the whole thing. But for the purposes of this podcast, let's just do like Cliff's notes. Okay. So like, yeah. how did you meet? Yeah. Let's just start there. You got it. Okay. Um, we met on Tinder. 
So I remember like even from Tinder thinking that I was like, oh, he's kind of a player because he had like some shirtless photos and like him like with his dog and but you know how he was just too cute not to swipe right. So swipe right, started talking. He blew me off for our first date. So I was like, oh, come on. Like he's a player. And then a couple weeks later, he's like, no, no, give me another chance. So we ended up going out. But like every day I had this crazy anxiety in my gut and I would just start sweating and be sitting in the car like with the air blasting, like trying to get my hands to dry out. And I think early on, I part of me probably knew that he something was off, but he was a doctor from Europe and right away his family didn't approve of us really. So it kind of, that's not a good way to start a relationship when they haven't right. even met you. And then they already want him to come back to Serbia and help with all their family businesses and they have money and they cut him off. So we moved pretty quickly. He, yeah, he, and they put a lot of pressure on you from, from what I got in the book in yeah. terms of him being like, Oh, uh, I gave everything up to, to be, be with, with you. you. Yeah. So then, yeah. So then he, I pretty quickly started financially supporting him. And then um, uh, it was like about, I don't know, it was like four or five months into our relationship. Then a woman contacted me and said that he cheated on me and with her. But then he told me that she was a call girl (laughs) and I believed him because he was very convincing. And, you know, he explained, he's like, oh, there's, you know, things you can use to generate text messages. He showed me how she could have done it for the things that she shared as evidence. Which is so crazy too. reading that. I'm like, man, if he knows how to falsify shit, like how do you trust? Yeah. After that, it's like, oh, seems suspiciously knowledgeable about these like weird cheating apps. But yet he's like walking you through. Yeah. a yeah. way to believe him yeah. so like it's hard to also look at that and be like, like when you're in love too though you don't see things clearly and you want to believe the people course. that you love like thinking about if your mom or your dad of if someone accused them of something you would be like right in their corner like uh, if you have a good relationship with them like, you'll be right in their corner for the people that you love and but right then i kind of like i was like oh i don't know and then fast forward to march of 2000 i think it was 2016 I was about ready to leave him when I found out I was pregnant. So then and we weren't planning on it for anyone that is listening. The pull out method doesn't work because he was a doctor <laughs> and he told me he's like, just, you know, if I pull out, you won't get pregnant. And but I also he was him. a doctor. Well, we, I don't I still don't know, but we'll get to that. So um, <laughs> because he when I met him, he said he was working at the ER in San Diego, at the like that one of the hospitals down there, Savior. And, um, that he was just coming up to do facelifts in Beverly Hills. But then later on he was trying to get board certified so he could get a residency. So when I, when I met him and started financially supporting him, it was to help him get his boards done. So he, he said he just needed two months to get his boards done. And I was like, okay, two months, he gets his boards done. He doesn't have to keep teaching tennis lessons on the side because his family cut him off financially. Let's do it. But then two months turn into four, turn into six. Then I'm pregnant. Then it turns into like a, you know, a year. And, um, we ended up like he, it was weird when I met him. He also said he had money in like a fund in Russia and it had sanctions on it. And then all of a sudden they're going to be able to get the money out. So while I was pregnant in my third trimester, I finally started stop feeling like so nauseated all day. So things started to take a turn for the better. I didn't hate him so much because I wasn't so sick all the time. I started to like really love my child. And then he said he was getting $10 billion out of this fund. So we started looking at really expensive properties in Malibu and Rancho Santa Fe, like multi-million dollar mm-hmm. homes. Like I have videos on my YouTube channel, privated of tours of the houses to share with our families that we're looking at. So they can see what it looked like. But then he said the banker ran away with the money. 
So the money wasn't coming. And like for me, like that was kind of crestfallen because like I got, I started to see the picture like, oh, I'm going to put like a, a playground here and we're going to hang out with our sons, like, you know, our kids here. And I started to like, you're buying into the vision, even I though was. all the, the elements fantasy. were so crazy, yeah. all piled together. They almost kind of like blinded you. Well, I mean, but and there coming was, in that vessel of love and the yeah. person you. But even going to look at the properties, we had to show evidence. So I had like a banking sheet that said that they had 34 billion euros that they crossed everything out with a Sharpie that we shared with the real estate agent so we could even look at these properties. So there was like, it wasn't just out, like he wasn't just telling me things. I was seeing what I thought was physical evidence. Yeah. Even though it made me kind of uncomfortable because I know money changes people. And I didn't, I didn't know if at that point, like if I really, really wanted to be with him, but he was, I was already, it's too late. I'm pregnant. Like, you know, we're, we're kind of a family unit. So, okay. Let's, let's back up just a little bit. Okay. So when you met him, yes. you were a virgin. I was, so, it wasn't really by choice. I just hadn't found anyone that I wanted to do the deed with. And how old were you? A 31 or th- I just turned 32. It was right around there. Right. Yeah. So I feel like maybe just not having as many relationships yeah. going into it. I mean, a- anybody has rose-colored glasses on their when first they fall love in love. Too. Yeah. But the first time yeah. is like, oh my God, you're so vulnerable. You speak about this in the book where it's like physically... You're, it changes you to where you desire and need that person. Yeah. And like it, y- it goes from you talking about how like prim and proper you are yeah. and how it's like, you were very clear about your lines and your, you know, I you- wanted to be, I just wanted to be in love or I wanted, I wanted the Jane Austen thing where it's like, I wanted my Mr. Darcy and I wanted it to like, I don't know why I've read too many books and I think I just hadn't found anyone that I loved and I wanted it to mean something. Yeah. And I think a lot of women have this fantasy of like bu- building up this person mm. before you lose your virginity. Like, hopefully you're like, ah, I hope it'll be all of this. Yeah. And seemingly this person was all of that. So it was almost like, how could I not? But this also, is what I've always prayed for and wanted. Exactly. But also I think it's hard when you get older too and you haven't had sex. You're like, I need to do it because what is everyone talking about? What am I missing out on? I think I had that pressure too, where I'm like, okay, I'm in love. Let's just do it. Curiosity gets you and hormones. You're like, he's gorgeous. I'm completely curious. I'm in love. Let's try it. Mm -hmm. So, so the sex was good. <laughs> it, was, like, it was good. Like I, th- but I mean, I have nothing to compare it to. Like, cause you know, I haven't been with anyone but him. Like, you know, cause it was ob- like, we'll get to why it was, it's been extremely traumatic and I'm just like, I love men, but I'm just like, I'm really focused on my child right now. But sure. Yeah. I mean, if I am having nothing to compare it to, like, yeah, he was definitely like, imagine if he had someone that had Chris Hemsworth's body, like in your bed, you would be there all the time. <laughs> right? You would. Yeah, it doesn't sound bad. <laughs> so how long before, because you were pregnant pretty quickly. Really quick. Yeah. How how long after you guys met? Well, I mean, we met in July of 2015, and then I was pregnant in March of 2016. So not even a full year. And But I wasn't by, like, I didn't plan it. Like, right. and that, that was really hard for me because I was always really career driven and I wanted to like, you know, get married, like be married for a couple years, then think about having kids, be financially stable. Like mm-hmm. I wasn't, I had a plan for a family 
And that, you know, having, when you find out you're pregnant with someone that you don't even really like, that was really, because at that point, like Milos was becoming really verbally abusive. I think he was, you know, whatever he was blaming me for, you know, his family not being around or having to teach tennis or driving or not getting his boards done. Or he kind of used me as a verbal punching bag. And I took it because I kind of felt like it was my fault. Cause like, Oh, he met me. He fell in love. Like it was always put back on me, like any of his problems. So, you know, by that point, when I got pregnant, I was really sick because I'm thinking I'm paying for everything. You treat me awful. That's what I kept thinking. Like I'm paying all the bills. You're being so mean to me. Why am I putting up with this? And then boom, I'm now going to have a baby. What do I do now? Mm-hmm. I remember one, like one time when I was pregnant, that was our first like physical altercation was I was like, you know, pregnancy gives you really strange hormones. And I was just, I grabbed trash bags and just started picking up his stuff. And I'm like, he's going to get out. He's going to leave. I'm done. I'm done paying the bills. I was going in debt. And then he ended up like chasing me around the house and like, you know, pinning me. And that was our first really like scary physical thing. But you, anyone that's been abused will tell you, they think, Oh, well it won't happen again. That was just a, a yeah. one-off thing. It's when it happens again that you start to go, wait a minute. So the first time I thought, well, maybe it was just a weird, I'm hormones, like, you know, it's a situation, we've been stressed, but, you know, I think the first time it happens, it will happen again. Yeah, let's talk about that a little bit more. Like, I mean, obviously, it's so much easier in retrospect to go back and be like, this is this is what this was. And this is when I maybe should have left the first time or whatever. I should call the police. Yeah. Yeah. Or what, whatever. It's like way easier to diagnose in retrospect, but what would you say to someone, you know, who was just starting to see those signs? What are some red flags? Yeah. yeah. That oh, you God. saw that you now in retrospect are like, Oh, that was the first sign that this is someone that could become abusive to me. Well, I, I, I've talked about this a lot, like, because there are certain things that people like him do like one, they come on really strong. So they immediately think that you're like the one or tell you that they're the one. They shower you with compliments. They are texting you all the time. They're loving, they're doting. It moves really quickly. They love bomb you. Yeah. You're, Mm -hmm. yeah. You're living together before you know it. And then they also start to make you feel sorry for them a lot. And you feel like you have to fix it. So they're always doing that wounded dove thing or like, Mm. oh, poor me. Or like, you know, like, oh, my family. And then you feel like, okay, you know, you can't get a car loan because of the interest. So, oh, I'll take out a car loan for you because I have good credit. And then before I know it, I'm paying the car payments. Like it was like a slow play. It's not, it's like they come on strong, but the things they want from you are slow. It's always the big end thing that I think that they're waiting for. And so, um, what advice would you give for identifying when and how to leave? I think the moment you are afraid of someone, it's time to get out. Cause like, there's going to be normal fights. Like, you know, there's gonna mm-hmm. be stupid things like you ate all my ketchup, but it should be done in a healthy way. And there's or you know, or you didn't invite me to this or there, there's normal healthy things. But the moment you are afraid of someone or, or like, or you have some suspicions or in your gut, something is telling you to run, get out. I think the first thing to do, I think, is tell people that you love. And if you don't have anyone close to you to start telling this to, find a shelter, find resources, because you're going to need support to get out. So that's number one. And then you start documenting everything. So, but do it in a safe way. I would like make sure your phone's locked, like lock screen where they don't know the passcode or ways like you do not leave that around. But if they start having a lot of verbal and physical altercations, you're going to need dates, times, 
like what happened, what was said, the things, you know, photos are great. If there's any kind of thing that happens to you. I mean, I hate to think like that. No one in love wants to think like that. Like, Oh, I'm building a case against the person I'm with, but it's going to be invaluable when you go to get a restraining order and, you know, cause they need dates, times, facts. That is so, so valuable. I also want to piggyback on that and say that, you know, sometimes you can be in a relationship that's like in a gray area where it doesn't become like physically abusive, but they are like chipping away at you. Yeah. I've been in a relationship that I would say was emotionally abusive and like verbally sometimes. And it, also, it's harder even to identify because it's kind no of no one sees it. Yeah, Your it's like I like I was saying, milder yeah. looking was, from the side. It's like oh, they seem really happy, but I would like things would stick with me that he would say like that were really controlling. You know, that were like uh, both putting me down and being controlling at the same time. Like this guy during college was like, oh yeah, don't smoke pot because pot lowers your inhibitions, and you know how you get, which is like such a fucked up like yeah. wound little burrito of things where it's like you're it's so simultaneously yes. me. yeah no it's like you are the they're making you feel like you are the aggressor not the aggressor but the person who's wrong yeah so you automatically are like oh no like what do i do to make it better it's like 100%. what you were saying how do i fix it if someone's making you feel like they you're responsible your for their yeah. happiness all yeah. the time that is an unhealthy thing and that can be like harder to spot when you're in love because you want to do everything for the other person well i mean i th- i think that the thing that i've learned the most too is like love is built on respect and if they don't respect you mm-hmm. they don't love you so someone saying comments like that to you, they don't respect you. Yeah. My, my tolerance is like zero now mm-hmm. like for anything. But I think, you know, you really have to know going in that like, you know, people, everyone's going to have their quirks, but like mental abuse is sometimes harder to deal with because people don't see it. Like when yeah. you're beat up, they see how hurt and wounded you are. But when you're beat up mentally, no one knows it, but you are the people's clo- people closest to you that you let in. Mm-hmm. So like, I remember talking about in the book, like that I like, you know, I wish the judge could have looked inside my head because it was like bruised and battered and broken, mm-hmm. but they couldn't, all I could see was like a few photos of my hyperextended pinky. Like that was the only evidence I had of our other, like later physical altercation. But like, yeah, like mental abuse is just as bad. So anyone listening, like you, you shouldn't tolerate that even. Yeah. So definitely. how did you keep yourself safe when you were pregnant? And yeah, tell us a little bit about that experience. Well, but things just got better while I was pregnant because I don't know like like it'll I'll explain why like he wasn't just I think because he wanted the kid but I don't know if he wanted the kid for like normal reasons so he was more nice to me while I was pregnant and wasn't raising his voice but also I wasn't talking to him for five months that kind of took like nine months out of the gestation period of our relationship so when I was finally like being nice to him again even though we're in the same house because I was just so over everything and like I I think I just ate and took prenatals and like (laughs) watched TV shows shows but when we you know he i think we had a little bit of a like a love couple months where things were you know we're planning for the kid or going to appointments together but then he swore to me he could get a residency if we moved down to san diego and he's like i'll have my boards done before you know our son is born there you know there's plenty of hospitals that need doctors like me and i was thinking great the financial burden will be off of me because the money wasn't coming through you know the and and i was already going in debt because i didn't work for five months being having all the morning sickness and he didn't have a job so he's living off of me so when we moved down to san diego that's when things got like really interesting 
because then his mom came into town and like immediately they started talking about getting him like Bosnian Serbian citizenship. Like our child, like, you know, needed to be a citizen of another country. And I'm like, that's kind of weird. Cause what about me? Like it would take right. a while. And they said the moment that he was like six months old, we're going to Serbia and getting married. And his mom had also set up like a crib and stuff in her different houses and bought toys in Serbia or if it's his mom, I'm not sure. But like, it was really we it, things just started to get really strange. And then the moment his mom came for the birth, Milos just like completely flipped. Like he didn't really care about me or the kid. Like it was all like someone had, it's so weird. Like imagine someone that's your best friend all of a sudden flipping a switch and no longer caring about you or anything. And you're like, who are you? You're like, were you acting like that? You know, there was this, this switch that happened with Milos where he didn't care about me. He didn't care about the kid. He just didn't care. Who do you think the woman that he was claiming his mother was his mother actually was? I don't know. I still, it could be his mom. I just, it was just, their relationship was just really strange. Like from the start, when my son was born, she would say like my baby, like and hold my son and he would start crying and she'd come and take him from me. And I couldn't do anything right. Like I couldn't change his diaper right. I couldn't bathe him right. I wasn't singing to him enough. I wasn't doing all these things. And that's the worst thing for a new mom to have another mom telling you you're doing a bad job with your child because you've been waiting all this time to get this little human and you love them so much and someone's telling you you're doing a bad job all day it's you can't handle it and it's so weird because at first she seemed to really like you right yeah but there was always a little bit of like possessiveness of her son like there was always a little like competitiveness that was weird i feel like that's an eastern european thing i'm eastern european but i'm I'm like maybe maybe that's i've done some research about like the mom like the moms are supposed to come into the relationship like in their culture and they boss around the new like that's like i think it is cultural on some of it but um, when uh, when my son was born, it was like I didn't even exist anymore. Like I was a broodmare. Like that was like the heir to their throne. And I it was almost like they owned him. And it was so weird. That's crazy. And she kept commenting about how like he had perfect skin and there's nothing wrong with him. And I kept thinking, what does it matter? And about four or five days after I gave birth... I finally confronted her because like any mom would. And I wanted to have like a heart to heart and say, please back up. Like say that I have a cute crib, say that I'm buying cute clothes, like support me. Mm-hmm. And when she, I didn't get like that, when I was trying to like talk to her about it, then she's like, well, do you want us to leave? And I was like, and it kept escalating. And then she kept yelling at me. I remember going, my baby, my baby. And I got right in her face and I said, no, he is my son. And that's when she got up and grabbed all her stuff, started throwing it in a suitcase, and Milos left with her and took yeah, the dog. Yeah, I thought that was the craziest Isn't thing. Isn't that weird? Like, to make them a we? It's like, no, you guys are the we. You and Milos were the we. No. And she's like, do you want us to leave? I'm like, yeah. what do you mean us? And you he and your even, son are not a couple. He didn't even ask me and he left. He just left with her. That's crazy. So then from there, that's when things got really bad because I saw a whole new side of Milos, like Milos mean times, like a hundred so he would come every and like he told me I could not leave the house for the first month with our son because like he'll get sick or he'll get a you know which you know babies do have delicate immune systems. So I had a month and a half where I was in the house all day long just waiting for him to come because he's the father of the child. But when he did come, all he did was scream, yell at me, throw things. Like at one point, he almost hit my mom. Like he like went at her and slammed the door in her face. Mm-hmm. And I, that's when I started documenting everything. And I was like, I want to get out of this relationship because this is going south and there were so many times that i should have called the police and i didn't but then i found out like this big thing about milos and then i was like oh i need to let him back into my life and fix things because he's the father of the child and 
And so when I let him back in the first day it was in is when we had, it was like deja vu, like the same instance where like where I was trying to call 911 and he like hurt my hand and I snuck off on the closet and I took pictures of it. And, and I had, at least I had that, you know, for later, but that, I think that was truly the point when I was ready to get out. Tell us kind of like how things came to a head with your relationship and then how, I mean, ultimately you had to protect your son. Well, that, that was like definitely the point where I was like, I want to get out, but I don't know if I can. And then I like, you know, it gets to that point where, you know, things are so bad that you just don't even want to keep going. You're like, I need, I need to, I'm not going to exist in this relationship. I'm crumbling. So we made a plan and my mom came back. We went on a normal like trip, like we always did to LA because, you know, in his mind, this was something that, you know, we normally do because she was comes to buy antiques. And when I was there, I tried to file for a restraining order, like, you know, file a police report and get a restraining order, but you have, you have to file it in the County of the crime. And I didn't know that. Mm-hmm. So I'm like, great. I'm like in LA and then, you know, breaking up with him over a text message, trying to get him out of the place. Then I have to come back to San Diego. Then we went back. I filed, um, I got a police report, filed a restraining order. And then like what I found out afterwards was like the craziest part. Cause I thought, you know, Oh, he's just really abusive, but I didn't understand like the level of deception that I was dealing with. Yeah. That was like when I remember when I started finding out all the details about Miloš, I would just sit in the chair at my San Diego apartment. I would just like get goosebumps all day long and chills and start shaking because it's like, you're like, who is this person? What was the worst lie? What'd you say? Well, I mean, the first one that like really shocked me, I think, is when I found out that he was already married before he met me. Because the girl that he, you know, claimed that he cheated on me, he said that, you know, she also had, was trying to, he said, blackmail him because he, um, married a woman with his last $170,000. She married him to give him a green card so he could stay and date me. And I believed him. Gosh, so pretty. But I, I mean, I did, he was very convincing at that point. And he was like, I love you. I met you. And, and my ex-boyfriend had broken up with me to, and he got paid to marry a Russian for her green card. So he's like, oh, well, it's just a sensitive topic for you. And I, you know, that's why I didn't want to, I was gonna wait till I was divorced and I, but I was going to tell you. So I believed him. No, he was married before he met me and his grandmother that he told me that was in Beverly Hills, that was her house. And when I found her on social media, she wasn't like this grandma at all. She like, yeah, I was a mom, but she was like maybe in her late forties and gorgeous. Mm. And she filed from divorce from him. Cause I have like a weird memory sometimes for numbers. So I went on to the LA website. I already knew his like divorce ID code for his file. My lawyer that I got in San Diego requested the file from LA. And yeah, he was like, when he met me, he was living with her. That's crazy. What about him being sick? Yes. Yeah. He pretended to be like ill for a while. And that was like, that was the worst thing I think for me, because like, you know, my dad, that's part of the reason. That's why I let him back in the house because, you know, my dad was like, like had, you know, he had cancer. And then when Milos told me that he had cancer, I let him back in. Cause I'm like, he's the father of my child. And it, you know, I can't let him die. And he kept saying, I just want to spend what time I have left with you guys and stuff like that. And you can't, I cannot be- like when the, it got to that point in your book, I was like, are you serious to yeah. lie? I would stay up all night long and research the different like, you know, treatments or, and I'd be like, why are we not in Texas where the good hospitals are? Why are you going to this one in San Diego for your treatment that kills people? Like for your, like, it doesn't have a good survival rate. And I kept like, and I kept always questioning why, why, why? And when I realized he wasn't sick is when I like, you know, I was like, that's like that. I think that was the head of like, I need to get out. This person's crazy. Uh, I did like you- who does that? Who pretends to have like a life threatening illness to control you? 
but also the commitment like how oh, do you yeah. fake having cancer he got super skinny he had a white stripe down the back of his throat his glands were swollen he would sweat all night long and change his t-shirts like he had how four or five t-shirts he would put a stack that? by the bed drugs that's what they, that's what the they think i mean i'm not i don't want to say making assumptions but if you that come off sense. of drugs like you have withdrawals and certain symptoms happen and that's what the detectives thought so they told me that he was probably on some sort of drug be it legal or illegal and just by stopping taking it the all the symptoms of him throwing up the weight loss the swollen glands the, he said yeah that was probably that Honestly, wow. the only like similar mm-hmm. deception, like that level of deception that I've ever had, <laughs> that I've like known of, is have you listened to the Dirty John? I have. Dirty you John know what's so podcast? funny? Like, everyone keeps comparing it to this, and what's really creepy is that Milos, when I met him, was hanging out a lot in Newport, and his cousin, his I, I don't even know that it's cousin now, but the, his photographer friend had. I stayed a night at his Newport place, and I'm like, was he his mentor? Like, what? Or do people like him just operate the same way? Does that make sense? Like, I feel like people that are that are. Or I don't know, I don't like grifters or like users. They all have a playbook and they share it with each other and they all like give each other tips because that's what it felt like to me. Because there's a lot of things that are similar and a lot of things that are different. There are, yeah. Like my, I feel like my experience wasn't so crazy. Like Milos was artful. He would never like you know when I was listening to Dirty John, he would, she like you know he would text them to like jump off a building or like like Milos never but actually, did that. But totally. But yeah. But for a, quite a while in the story, he's like doing things that like in your story where in retrospect it's like oh like that would be a red flag but like the way that he would explain it away was actually where you're like oh i could see how in the moment and i would totally buy it and it was not just me believing in his lies this is how good like you know in that story like her family like hated no right and mine my mom loved milos my adopted brother robert loved milos like it like he charmed the heck out of everyone and mm-hmm. didn't create any enemies. You know, what I mean? he did isolate me though. Like he didn't want me That's around a my classic mom. abuser technique. Oh, I mean, it was awful though. Cause I had like, you know, he just didn't like anyone. Like I had like a really Wait, good explain friend that concept. Well, they, they, they don't want you. Um, a lot of people that are like sociopaths or abusers, they don't want you to have any friends because they want to control you. And if you have the strength or someone to talk to, they might be found out. So they, they, a lot of times they don't, you, the only person you can be around really is them. Your mom seems so wonderful. Oh, she's incredible. You have no idea. Like she is such a rock star. And even now, like she, I could not bear to be away from my son for like three days. So they're at an Airbnb right now. And like, I'm like calling and I'm hearing him squealing and they're playing in the backyard. So So, yeah, but that's kind of how I felt like you could tell that he was like a sociopathic kind of abuser because your mom was your strongest support system. He had to get rid of her. And he, yeah. he was so vehement, like about destroying that relationship. Oh, you know, but it, what is absolutely terrifying. If you remember, um, right after I gave birth before, like I'd kick them out, he had told me about this necklace that, is, that him and his business partner had gotten his mom that was really expensive. And they said, we want to get it as a push present. Like, would your mom come with me to Serbia and we'll get it. And you know, her as a, you, you know, US citizen will be able to bring it back in more easily and blah, blah, blah. And my mom's like, I was like, I'll ask her, but more than likely she's going to say no. And my mom's like, absolutely not. But now I'm terrified. Like what, why, what were they going to do to my mom? Were, were they, they going to take kill her, her out? Yeah. yeah. Like, were they going to take her out? Like what's, cause they knew they had to get rid of her. 
You know what I mean? Oh and my god. It is so creepy. And it's you still so don't scary. know what the involvement and if any with like Serbian mafia or any of that. I don't I don't know if that's real or not. And I and I don't know if he's a doctor. Those those are the two big things that I don't know. I know what he told me and multiple people. And I know like but what doctor doesn't know their glove size. That's I know. Isn't that strange? Like I'm about to give birth and he's, she's like, oh, you know, you know, do you want to deliver him? And I'm thinking, oh yeah, he's a doctor. Of course. Milos, do it. And I'm like, I'm really, <laughs> he's like, no, um, she's he's like, like quietly throwing up. <laughs> like, oh, exa- I'm sorry. I, I would be funny. Like in retrospect, I think it was probably pretty funny. It's probably like, oh God, what is going on down there? Yeah, um, he was like, now I have to prove it. Now, I, yeah. But I, she asked him like, what's your glove size? And he's like, uh, 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 and she's like, well, you look like a medium. Like the, you, I think the nurse was like, okay, well maybe he's like nervous, but if you're a doctor, you've done how many thousands of surgeries before you even yeah, you are know let out into shit. the world? Like you, not even surgeries, the, any of the prep work or you anything. know, yeah. And he didn't know where his spleen was or like certain things or yeah, that's like, not, but I can't, I cannot <laughs> say I, cause I still, I don't know the, the true answer is I don't know. Like even, even the judge didn't know. She's like, well, maybe you went to medical school, but are you a doctor? I don't know. <laughs> like, so he wasn't able to prove it in the 15 hours of trial, but it's one of those things that I probably will never have an answer. But on. can I have a, ask a question about that? Of course. So you always saw him studying and you I know, saw what, the books and the practice tests. Why would you, is that just part of the elaborate act? I did he ever point, actually study and try to take the boards? He did 8,000 questions around me. Cause I was pregnant. I was sitting there and getting fat and like playing the Lego game. Like on, you know, I was playing like, like the star Wars Legos and like on, you know, on the Xbox. So, you know, he, he was quote unquote studying, but I don't know if he ever took a test. I know I paid $800 for one for him to take, but it was weird because he told me he had already paid. But then when I looked up like the fees, the first time to take, it's like $800, but he told me it was $30,000 that his mom paid for him to be able to take the test because he's a foreigner. And all the, like, you know what, looking back now, like the amount of money he said he came to the U.S. with always changed or certain details weren't always yeah. straight. But I mean, for the most part, his lies or deception were pretty like he told everyone the same thing. And that's the smart way to lie. You always tell everyone the same lies until wow. you found out. But maybe don't tell this big of a lie. I mean, it's, it's, this was a lot of lies. This was a lot of lies. On top of yeah. each but, other. but like, why me? That's why I don't understand. Like he was. Had, I think that part of it must have weirdly been sincere. Like, my, sure, my mom he tortured said, you and abused you. My, but my mom, like, thinks... My mom, like, she's like, I really do think as much as he could care about someone. Or he, She said, I think he was obsessed with you. And that's why. But I was thinking, why leave your rich wife? Because he kept saying all the time, like, you know, I had everything when I met you. I had everything when I met you. But then... But I think it shocked him that he fought, fell for you. Do you know what I mean? But I don't even know if he could... F- fall for someone but i think i don't I was, think he can love the way like a regular I think he person was fascinated can. by me because i was you know i'm like i'm fun to be around but i'm like I'm, <laughs> I'm you know i i can talk i can be one of the guys i like to go to arcades like i think he'd never met a girl like me before and he was intrigued by me yeah and i think that part was sincere he yeah. just also like he's a psycho so yeah. so present day yeah how do you keep your son safe and like manage this because i mean in some way he'll always be a thread in your life 
that, I mean, that's the hard part. Like, even when I was going to do this, I had the, like the publicist for the book asked me like, why are you writing this? Like, why are you doing this? And I said, well, what's safer me and a handful of people knowing what happened to me or me and possibly millions of people knowing I want everyone to know what I look like, what my son looks like and what he did. So I think there's, like I said in the book, there's safety in numbers. And I think, you know, empower in the truth. And, you know, the book is the truth. And it's every, it's every single step of what happened to me. And I, you know, I don't want to live my whole life in fear. I already live my whole relationship in fear, but I have made life changes. Like I definitely, I don't go out at night. I don't go anywhere alone. I have pepper spray with me and like a little like thing that's an, an alarm. There's security cameras at the house. Like there's other things I'm not going to like, go, yeah. but I, like we've definitely taken like preventative measures to make sure that I'm safe and my son's safe. And I mean, I feel bad. It's like my son will probably never go to sleepovers at other people's houses or never. Cause we just can't take that risk. And every, every police officer said like, don't, like, don't let him out of your sight. Don't take him to another country. Don't get him a passport. Cause I, you know, that's the hard part about, but like, for me, I feel like I'm the voice for every single woman that has never spoken up out of fear. And like, you know, I'm lucky to have the resources to be able to fight it and the platform to be able to spread what happened. Yeah. That's so. super powerful. Um, can I ask about Rex? Yeah, I'll talk about the Rex the rest of the time if you want. <laughs> <laughs> so yeah, Rex, he uh, clearly is the light of your life. He is like, you just saw my eyes light up, didn't you? He is the cutest thing on the planet and completely my personality. Like he looks a lot like Milos, which is not a bad thing. Like Milos was gorgeous, but he has like my nose and like my ears and he has Milos's eyes. So they're more like round, but he has my grandfather's eyes, which are dark dark, dark blue. Like Rex has these almost like, it's like an, a really dark, almost, um, royal kind of blue color, which is not my eye color it was my grandfather's. So that's a really cool, like tie to yeah. your family. And he has my dad's like calves and legs and stuff. Like, cause he's already, we were so funny. We took him to a water park in Sedona and this guy asked me, he's like, how is your kid so ripped? And I'm like, he's just really active and he's just fully like, you should see the calf muscles on my son already ready because all he does is run all day that's hilarious yeah you guys would love him he'd be already be like charming you and like looking at you and flirting Aww. like he's not I, I i'm always like don't be like your father yeah <laughs> See, what uh, does he know about his father well he's gonna be two in december so like the last time he saw him was you know when he's four months old so as of now probably you know nothing but I had a really good friend of mine who's British and she messaged me like she read the book and had like she was had her retainers in and she's like, Brittany, oh my God, like because it's in England, the time zone difference. And so I was sitting in the bathroom and she's like, this is a love story to Rex. And I think it is. It's like, you know, it's also a way to raise awareness, but explain to my son why I did what I had to do and why his dad can't be in his life. And I think, you know, it's a hard enough thing, but I think my son will understand like what I did to protect him. When he gets, he'll when love he, and respect you even more yeah and like he already i think any kid just needs love and like you know family units are not they're changing like you know over 65 percent of people get divorced right and a lot of them probably have kids like when rex goes to school it won't be weird for him me to be a single mom like it would in my mom's generation or whatever like society has progressed so I think the main thing is just keeping him safe. And when he has questions, that's what's going to be hard. Like, how do I explain to him without making him think he's a bad person? 
Because I think, you know, he got all the good things and like he's my like sunshine, happy personality. Like he wakes up smiling every day. He's just, yeah, we just drove eight hours from Sedona to here because we flying yet. Forget it. We'll like terrorize the plane. And he was just giggling and laughing and playing the entire car ride. Like, like that was what I got to listen to while I was driving. So he's just a good kid. That's awesome. Yeah. And I think that is, that's beautiful that your book is a love letter to him. It is. I mean, cause I think he, then how else am I going to explain to him? And it wouldn't, it wouldn't have been like legally, I really couldn't make a YouTube video about it. And that's all I really wanted to do, to be honest, was just make a video and get on with my life and everyone knows. And then, you know, I don't, you know, then, but it turned into so much more than that because I couldn't. And then I just, during my trial, wasn't allowed to tell anyone. And I just started writing and then, I think it worked out how it was supposed to in the long run. Yeah, definitely. Yeah. And I'm a kid of a single mom and I love my mom and she was the best. It means more to have one parent who loves you than two of the second one could not give a shit. They just want your attention. And like my son, it was the cutest thing. Like we, um, we were, I'm a, I'm a big thrifter, so I love it. So we're at a thrift store and, um, I was with my mom and she's like, she's like, Rex wants your attention. I'm like, Oh yeah, of course, honey. Cause I see these arms like, you know, up and be like, mama, mama. So he grabs my hand. He drags me and he wanted this like Escalade (laughs) car for like $10. He pointed to it. It's like that one, (laughs) but like, that's all kids want. They just want your attention. And we played he calls it cool car. So we play with the cool car. (laughs) for over a week now because it like it plays like who lets the dog who let the dog out who oh it's my old. God. it's really old only one of the brake lights works <laughs> the it baja goes, men yes yeah oh, wow. and, he, and it's really cute and it has also where you can like mix the music a little bit like a disc like you He's know a little disc dj track. yeah oh my but god he, he loves it and i think that like that's all kids really need is just like you to sit down and play with their escalade with them <laughs> how how do you feel about relationships moving forward it's so strange. Like when I first left, like, you know, I like out of curiosity, I like, you know, just looked on a few sites, but I deleted it right away. Cause I, I realized I wasn't ready. Mm-hmm. And even now I don't think I'm ready. And I kind of, I don't know. I think I want to leave it up to fate and see if I'm somewhere and I meet someone. If not, I think I just, cause I went through so much pain yeah. and heartache with this one that it, I just am not ready to be controlled by someone else or have to be someone else's mom or be someone else's, you know, I really, I need someone that's going to love Rex as much as they love me and be a good person and take it really slow. (laughs) So I think that, you know, there'll probably be a time and place for it, but I'm really loving just focusing on like my goals and my kid. And I think for right now, that's all I really need. So you're still, you're making YouTube videos, check out your channel, Brittany Louise Taylor, uh, the book, a sucky love story. You guys are going to breathe through. Yeah. All my good good friends. Yeah. That's what they said. They they, like my friend, um, like my, my friend Megan was like, Brittany, I just was sitting down to dinner and she's like, I haven't, I haven't stopped to eat. It's like two in the morning and I just finished. She's like, I just, because I think that you know, I I tried to write it in a way that this is just what happened. And I wrote it as it was happening. So I'm not trying to teach you any life lessons. I'm laying my story out there and you figure out what I did wrong. I don't want to tell you like you guys figure it out. Cause I think that that's better than like saying, this is what I learned in this chapter. You know what I mean? Like, no, you guys needed the full story to really understand. Cause it's so complex as you know, it is. Yeah. Yeah. It's a wild ride. 
definitely. Uh, where else can people find you on social media? Oh, um, Twitter, um, Brittany Taylor, Instagram, Brittany Louise Taylor picks. It's Brittany with an I. I know it's really long. I'm sorry. <laughs> and then P I C S. And then, um, I don't really use Snapchat, but I'm Brittany Louise on there. Cool. So. Well, thank you so much for joining this us. Well, thank, you for thank you for sharing me. your story. Yeah. Oh, I had so much fun. I hope you guys liked the latest episode of Reality Bites. If you liked what you heard, you better smash those five stars. And if you send us a screenshot of your review, we'll send you a free sex goodie from Doc Johnson. OMG. So send those screenshots or questions or love letters to realitybitespod at gmail.com. That's bites with a Y.